This episode was first posted April 4th, 2011, when Connecticut won the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship, beating Cinderella team Butler in what was, I think, a kind of crappy game. Most outstanding player was Kemba Walker, who has since become a two-time NBA All-Star. This is Movies for the Blind, episode 166, The Basketball Fix, part one of two. Why are you always two steps ahead of tomorrow? Welcome to Movies for the Blind, where you can enjoy films without looking at a screen. I'm Valerie Hunter. In the U.S., March Madness has wrapped up, concluding the few weeks of the NCAA Division I Men's College Basketball Tournament. There's been a lot of upsets and a lot of exciting games, but also a lot of money made by the NCAA, who are supposed to put the money back into the university's programs, the broadcasters, the corporations running commercials on those broadcasters, and unofficially, in most places, a lot of money made by gambling. There's a lot of pressure on the players, kids who may be heading for a big payday in pro basketball, others who will be going on to a regular life. So sometimes missteps can be made. That was true even when college basketball and even the NBA was not such a big money game. All the way back in 1951, a scandal erupted involving 33 players on seven teams, including national champions City College of New York and the University of Kentucky, getting paid by organized crime to make final scores closer to benefit gamblers playing the point spread. That's called point shaving. This movie was made in that same year and tells a similar story. From 1951, this is The Basketball Fix. Jack Broder Productions present John Ireland, Marshall Thompson, Vanessa Brown, William Bishop, Hazel Brooks, John Sands. The Basketball Fix. Bobby Hyatt, Walter Sand. Ted Pearson, Johnny Phillips, Lester Sharp, Art Milan, Lionel Kay, Jack Reynolds, Donald Kerr, Dave March. Screenplay by Peter R. Brook and Charles K. Peck Jr. Original story by Charles K. Peck Jr. Director of photography, Stanley Cortez. Editorial supervisor, Francis D. Lyon. Music by Raoul Krauschar. Associate producer, Henry Spitz. Assistant Director, Richard Dixon. Assistant to Producer, Herman Cohen. Art Director, Boris Levin. Sound, Charles Althaus. Produced by Edward Levin. Directed by Felix Feist. On the bar of a restaurant, a newspaper has the headline, Verdict on Basketball Fix Expected Today. A drink is placed on the paper and is picked up by a man who quickly drinks. Another man approaches. Hiya, Pete. Mind if I join the wake? Pete drinks some more. Quite a yarn, huh? Yeah. He steps away from the bar, followed by the man. You cooking up a new angle for your column? No, thanks. This one's been grilled, fried, and boiled in every rag in the country. They sit. That's so? There's an angle hasn't been touched. He shows Pete a photo. Earn your bracelet with a college degree. It's a young man in handcuffs looking down on a woman on a level below. Pete rips up the photo. Hey, what's with you? You tired of making a living? That kind of slime, yeah. 
Too bad there's still a negative. They stand. Only you're not going to print it. Oh, now look, Faraday, why don't you stay in your own department? Can I help it if one of these crooks happens to be a friend? He hits him, and a waiter runs up. Everybody shoots off their big mouth once in a while. Sure we do, the whole bigoted bunch of us. Read the headlines, forget the small print. Pete returns to the bar, then sits and finishes his drink. I knew the small print right from the beginning. The beginning was a while back, when my former basketball coach wrote me to do some scouting for him and look up a certain high school player. Back then, outside Central High School. You could say I was returning a favor for the many tips the old geezer used to give me. And what's a sports writer without tips? The old boy could always use a good basketball find on his team. And Johnny was a find, all right. I'd seen him play here many times. He asks directions from a woman who points the way. Soon after, he walks through a men's locker room. The young man from the photo enters in a t-shirt and shorts. Hi, fella. Who, me? Why not? Well, so maybe you're down here slumming, Mr. Faraday. Good to know my column gets around. Oh, I'll never miss it. Sure pleasure. Name's Long, Johnny Long. Yeah, I know. They shake hands. You do? I've been watching you. So have others. As a matter of fact, that's why I'm here. Have you got a minute? Take an hour for all I care. Uh, do you mind if I dry off first? They go to a locker, where Johnny grabs a towel. The many plans yet for college? No, none in particular. Good. He takes off his shirt. Get to the point. I'm an old Bedford man myself. It's a great place. From what I've seen here, they'd love to have you. I can get you a scholarship if you're interested. Interested? Well, sure. Who wouldn't be? I've had several offers during the season, but... Well, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm tickled pink at all this attention, only... Well, that's a personal story, Mr. Faraday. Well, the name is Pete, and I didn't bring my typewriter. Well, it's just that an out-of-town scholarship could never bring me the money that I can earn around here doing part-time jobs. See, there's a matter of a couple extra miles to feed. Are you married? Oh, no, no. No, it's just that, uh, it's my dad. He's, uh, in the sanitarium. I'm taking care of my kid brother. He's in school. What about a local scholarship? But you were plugging for your alma mater. A kid with a talent like yours, I can't be greedy. Why not spread it around a little? Let's say with a guy like... Nat Becker. Nat Becker? Stayed? Well, that's really aiming high, isn't it? Not any higher than you're going, and you'll be able to stay in town. Gee, Nat Becker's always had championship teams. Leave him to me, will you? As a matter of fact, I have a hunch where I can find him right now. Well, this may sound corny, but I don't know how to thank you. Then don't. Pete walks away. Later at the restaurant, a heaping plate of stew is served. Every man enjoys a good meal, but Nat Becker is one guy who'd turn a healthy habit into a vice. Beef stew. As Becker shoves a roll in his mouth, Pete approaches his table. Hi, Nat. He started on the stew. Do you mind a spectator? Becker points at a chair, then adds salt as Pete sits with him. What else is new? Becker tears off some bread. Very interesting. Then butters it. Now let me talk. I saw a kid today at a high school. Got absolutely no class, but he never misses a basket. Pausing, Becker looks at him. Well, hardly ever. Being on your team would surround him with class. Becker eats salad. Let your boys look good while he does the scoring. The only reason you'd be lucky enough to get him is because he's got to stay in town to make a living. You interested? Becker adds Worcestershire sauce to his stew. Nat, will you quit eating? 
He sits back and wipes his mouth with a napkin. I ought to be interested. Been watching Johnny Long for months. Why, you old windbag. Next time, give me a chance to talk. He eats again. Next time, I'll take your plate away. Then what'll you do? Will you? Later, they wait outside the school as Johnny comes out. Hiya, Johnny. Oh, hi, Mr. Faraday. You know Nat Becker, don't you? You know his reputation. Well, don't let it fool you. In between meals, he's a good coach. Sir, it's a pleasure, sir. Well, there's no use complimenting each other. You're good. Maybe I can make you better. If it's agreed, I'll recommend you for a basketball scholarship for college. Agreed? Oh, and another thing. I run a camp for boys up in the mountains. If you like, come up there and your keep. Teach the kids how to play basketball. Well, gee, it sounds great, but frankly, I can't afford it. I spend my summers picking up some darn good money at Crest Haven Country Club. Crest Haven? Pretty swank, huh? That makes for better pickings. I work as a lifeguard. Crest Haven? Oh, oh, sure, I've heard about it from one of my boys. Jed Black's got the same idea you have. He's next year's captain, you know him? Well, no, of him. Jed's a good boy. Might even teach you a trick or two. Well, make it a point of looking him up. Oh, I gotta go to class. Gee, Mr. Becker, thanks a million. I sure do appreciate it. Slumpy. Keep those grades up. When Johnny runs off, the men walk on. Later. Crest Haven where wealth is your password and luxury is an everyday commodity. Johnny is dropped off outside the elegant complex. Without the password, you look for the back entrance. He heads around the back, toward the pool. It's the kind of a paradise a guy wouldn't mind getting lost in. Johnny meets another young man. But then there was Jed Black, one of Johnny's future teammates. He knew his way around, especially the shortcuts. Later, the pool is surrounded by patio tables and lounge chairs. Guarding the guests' high-priced lives and supervising their 18-carat sunburns had its profitable aspects. Johnny lays out folded towels. Particularly with some of the new arrivals. I'm Mike Taft. How do you do, sir? I'm Johnny Long. How do you do? When they shake hands, Johnny comes away with a bill. Thank you very much, sir. Miss Courtney. Hello. How do you do? I'd like for her to have some swimming lessons. Oh, I'll be glad to teach her myself. I won't be difficult. I'm pricing. She holds up an astrological chart. I was born under the fish. Oh, I'm sorry. Come on, darling. Taft and Courtney walk off. There was always enough spare time during which Jed could let some of that Nat Becker polish rub off on Johnny. They practice on an outdoor court. The kind of polish that would make his style more pleasing to the eye. Johnny stops to stare at a pretty girl who smiles back through a chain-link fence. Pleasing to the eye. He gazes, stunned. And she keeps smiling sweetly. Jed approaches. I take it you two haven't met, or have you? No, I uh, suppose not. What do you mean, suppose? If you have or haven't? Well, I guess we've seen each other before. About a minute ago. Well, don't let me disturb a reunion of old friends. I'll just take a rest while you two get to know each other better. Jed turns away. You, uh, been here long? Ten minutes. Uh, no, I mean, uh, here at Crest Haven? Oh, I arrived yesterday with my folks. Oh. Are you learning to play basketball? Smart girl. Well, uh, not exactly, uh, Oh. Oh, well, please go on. Don't let me interrupt. Oh, no, no, that's all right. We're, uh, we're all done. Can I buy you a Coke or ginger ale or something? Thanks. Tell me, do you really enjoy bouncing the ball along, throwing it into that little hoop? Well, no, I really don't, you see, but uh, don't let it get around. 
Next time I play, some of the paying customers may want their money back. Paying customers? Oh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't know. That's okay. He gives Jed the ball. Practice for both of us. Johnny takes his jacket, which was hanging from the fence, and joins the pretty girl. Then they walk away among the patrons. Later, he teaches Courtney to swim while Taft watches. Most women don't know how to keep their heads above water, Johnny. If you can teach Lily, you're a better man than I. Easy now, come on. Get her. Johnny holds her up until the pretty girl walks by in shorts and a bikini top. Turn in your life belt, you're through. He helps Courtney stand. I say it's either cross the moon or me. <laughs> they climb out. Such intrigue calls for a bracer. What will you have, young lady? My name's Pat. I'd like a Coke, please. Uh, how about you? Double grubbing. I had enough chaser for one day. <laughs> Johnny? Oh, nothing for me, thanks. Oh, afraid to break training? Training? Yes, I understand you're quite a boy on the basketball court. Hi, Frank. Well, there seems to be a difference of opinion on that. All right, so I don't know the difference between basketball and hopscotch. You should. There's little money in hopscotch. Not much more in basketball. Oh? Melvin, hi. Johnny checks Pat's watch. Holy smokes, I almost forgot. I got to meet a friend of mine at the airport. He'll be here in 20 minutes. We've got plenty of time. It's only 10 minutes away. Well, not my bus. Bus? Oh, look, why don't you take my car? It's that uh, yellow Lincoln convertible out front. Oh, thanks, that's very nice. Taft tosses him keys. Take Pat along for the ride. I'll put something on, meet you at the car. Pat runs off. Well, thanks very much. You're welcome. Johnny leaves as well. He's a nice boy. Yeah, very. Not that nice, darling. He's probably Scorpio. Say, what did I do with my Astorama? Just sitting on it. She pulls out her chart. Oh, yeah. Well. Later at Cresthaven Airport. Hiya, Johnny. Hi, Pete. It's good to see you. Pete turns to Pat. Oh, I see you didn't exaggerate. <laughs> What's that? The description in your letter. She's beautiful. Ah, any other professional comments? Lincoln Convertible. Who struck oil? Oh, a fellow named Tab. Not sure it was oil, though. Nice to have friends like that. Yeah, I wonder. They get in the car. Oh, that's okay. Don't worry, you'll be driving one of these things yourself someday. <laughs> Thanks for dreaming. Back at the club, Pat walks Pete past Taft and Courtney eating at a patio table. You wouldn't be trying to give us the go-by, would you now, Pat? They return. Oh, you were so engrossed in your lunch, I didn't think you'd notice. The day I don't notice you, I'll know I need glasses. Besides, how could I miss you in such distinguished company? Oh, Pete Faraday, this is Mike Taft. Pleasure, indeed. How do you do? Mr. Faraday, Miss Courtney. Mr. Faraday is the well-known sports columnist. Really? Nice to know you. You're Virgo. I can tell. Sorry. Won't you join us? We'd love to, if you don't mind. Mind? I've been looking for an opportunity to talk to Mr. Faraday for quite some time. They said. You'll be sorry. Oh, I'm afraid you will. Like all sports fans, I'll probably ask a lot of stupid questions. A columnist only considers a question stupid when he can't answer it. <laughs> Neatly put. No wonder I've always enjoyed reading your column. Thanks. A waiter approaches. Oh, what do you have? Mm, I'll have the uh, club lunch. This coffee for me. Faraday, I particularly like your constant campaign to get the athletes a better break financially. Well, it stands to reason that some of the big money made by college sports should rub off on those responsible for it. I guess so. When you consider the gates take... Must you talk business on such a beautiful day? 
I didn't know you were connected with sports, Mr. Taft. Well, I'm not really. I just sort of dabble in it. You know, investments and such. I, for one, have never dabbled beyond the $2 window. Don't worry, Pat. There's nothing disreputable about small bets. The large ones are made on Wall Street. Only there, they don't call it gambling. Well, that's one way of whitewashing bookmaking. Good afternoon, everyone. Pull up a chair, Johnny. Oh, thanks. I've had lunch. Say, uh, Pete, when you get a second, I I'd like to show you something. Why not now? I drink too much coffee anyway. He stands. See you later. But I'm hungry. Well, you go ahead and eat. We'll be over in the court to finish. Bye. Pete and Johnny walk away. Nice fellow. Aren't they always? On the court, Johnny practices with Jed. Well, what's the verdict? You're doing a great job taking out the rough spots. Nat will be proud of both of you. You mean it? I've already stuck out my neck too far to kid you, Johnny. Later, Pete walks the grounds with Johnny and Pat. At these rates, all I could afford was a free tour by Johnny and Pat. At a place like this, time should stand still, especially for a guy like me who's in no mood to splurge a year's salary for a longer stay. Even though it had only been a couple of days, they've been full ones, and long enough to get a pretty good picture of what Johnny was up against. Back at the airport. So long, Pat. Bye, Pete. Back in a minute. Okay. Johnny carries Pete's suitcase as they walk away from the car. Sure is nice of you to come down. Pat's crazy about you. Well, I should hope so. You know, if you're my protege, I'd probably go after him myself. Pete's protege, that's quite a rating. Something to live up to. Well, I didn't come down here to mingle with the elite. I just wanted to make sure you wouldn't go hi-hat on us and not enter college this fall. Hi-hat? With what? Guys like Mike Taft giving you big ideas. Oh, Taft. He never tell he ever talks to me. He's too busy counting his money. I have a hunch he'll be talking some more, especially when he gets ideas about counting more money. Don't worry, Pete. I'm a big boy now. I like you that way. So does Pat. So long, Johnny. So long, Pete. He leaves with the suitcase. At night, Johnny and Pat swim toward each other alone in the pool. They meet and kiss. They go to a ladder nearby. Pat climbs out of the pool in her swimsuit and bathing cap. And Johnny follows in his swim trunks. Taking off the cap, she grabs a towel to dry off. Johnny gets a towel as well. Warm enough. He bends down to a small grill and puts on burgers. Hungry? Uh-huh. Um, onions? What about you? Love them. Me too. He adds some onions. And they lounge on cushions. Oh, if you could only cook. I can. And what are you saving it for? She looks into the sky. Later. How much later? When I'm sure the stars will always look to me the way they look tonight. In what way is that? Close. You could almost touch them. He turns to them. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there for years, but never this close. Will they always stay like that? Everything will stay like this. I can feel it. Came on slowly but surely through all the few days and hours we've been together. She lies on her stomach beside him. I like remembering them. He turns to her. Maybe we won't have to remember. Just look forward. To what? To each other. She smiles at him. 
and a kiss. Could it last, Johnny? Could it? As long as you'd want it to. It's a long time. That's why everything's got to be right. Nothing but the very best for you. I'm looking at the very best already. I'll wait as long as you want. I don't like waiting. Oh, it's not so bad, Johnny. Not when it's for something worth waiting for. She turns to the grill. Hey, the hamburgers are burning. What hamburgers? They kiss again. Later on a college campus. That fall, Johnny kept his word. And as Nat Becker and I had planned, he began his freshman year in college. In a gym, Johnny and Jed practice with the team. As Pete approaches Becker, who watches. Wanting to make sure I hadn't given Nat a bum steer, I looked in more often than I should have. Johnny dribbles the basketball and makes a pass. But with a little convincing, Nat didn't really mind. Pete passes Becker a snack as they watch Johnny receive a pass and shoot, making a basket. He notices Pete with Becker and smiles. Yeah, Johnny, we didn't want you to know it at first. You know how Nat felt about letting his players become big-headed? But you sure began to look good. Only I couldn't get any definite kind of comment out of the old geezer. It's like trying to squeeze blood out of a turnip. Later at the restaurant. But of course, with Nat, there are some things more powerful than words. And in trying to get a preseason interview, a reporter sometimes has to go to any lengths. Becker watches Pete get served a steak dinner, then sadly turns to his own glass of milk. Something bothering you? Yeah. I'm wondering who to kill first. You or my doctor? He takes out some pills. Why not make it the doc and save yourself a bill? Me, all you owe is a story. Dig up your own dirt. He takes two pills. I'm too weak. Then drinks water. Here. Pete sets down a cracker. Give me that preseason interview and I'll put a chunk of meat on it. With gravy. All right, all right. So Johnny's terrific. I'm building my whole next season around him. He's younger than all the others, but he's got more stuff than the best of them. Now, uh, how about the meat? Pete cuts off a piece. Well, I don't want a Welsh, but what about the doc? If you don't give me that meat, you'll be needing him. Pete puts the piece on the cracker. Considering... Becker grabs Pete's plate and puts it in front of him. He stuffs his pills into his jacket pocket, picks up a knife and fork, and digs in. Later, Pete's column reads, Nat Becker just discovered a greater sensation than eating, Johnny Long. During the season, a referee tosses a ball for a jump ball, getting a game underway in the gym. Johnny scores immediately. The next headline, freshman sensation in opening state game. The season progresses, and so do the headlines. Sure shot Johnny Long again leads State 5 to a sensational win. Coach Becker pins league hopes on Central Flash. In another game, Johnny bounce passes to a teammate, who passes back in time for Johnny to score on a layup. A mid-season headline, Long leads league in points scored. Fans crowd onto the court after another game. Later, leaving the locker room. Hello, Johnny. Well, hello, Mr. Taft. Why did you skip it? Skip what? Oh, that Mr. Routine. I like to think of us as friends. 
Sure, uh, Mike. Uh, how's Lily? Oh, she's fine, fine. Waiting in the car, counting the money. Made a real killing tonight, thanks to you. To me? Yeah, you were great. And I had a bit on you. <laughs> thanks for the vote of confidence. Any thanks around here come from me. By just knowing you, you let me in on something, and I never let a favor go unrewarded. He holds out an envelope. What's this? Johnny takes it. Oh, just a fan letter. Opening it, Johnny finds two $50 bills. That's some fan letter. I can afford the postage. Yeah, but can I? Why not? It's good American currency, and you earned it. Earned it? You worry too much. Athletes shouldn't worry. It's unhealthy. Go on, take it. Show Pat a good time. You both deserve it. Well, thanks very much, but well, I couldn't, honestly. He gives it back. All right, Johnny. There's no harm done. But uh, if you ever get short, you know where to come. Well, I don't think it will be, but thanks just the same. So long. So long, Johnny. Stepping away, he turns back. See ya. Then he continues on. Taft thinks, smoking. Then walks to his car, where Courtney studies her chart. He opens the passenger door and gets in. All right, let's go. Wait a minute. Trying to figure out when the moon is going to square Neptune. Huh? How'd you make out? Usual first reaction, scruple and dignity. Oh, yeah. He must be Aries if he's this stubborn. Uh, well, it's too early to tell. The longer they take, the harder they fall. Yeah, but this one hasn't even tripped yet. Look, honey, time is money, right? She nods. Okay. We'll see who runs out of both first. Now let's go. You drive. He gets out and walks around the car. Later, Johnny visits a department store with his brother. Santa Claus comes but once a year. And Johnny was old enough to know that you've got to meet him halfway. Especially if you've got a kid brother. A kid brother like Mickey, whose modest wand in his eyes could tug more on a guy's heart than tears. Yeah, when the price tags held the key, a toy shop was no place for Mickey at Christmas time. Later in their apartment, Johnny sits on a bed unwrapping a pack of cigarettes. How come you're breaking training? He tosses it aside. What are you moping about? Daddy's getting better. Santa Claus will be here soon. Yeah. Empty-handed. Huh? Nothing. You said something. As Mickey decorates a small tree, Johnny stands. Well, you, you see, Mickey, Santa Claus won't be coming this year. I know. He looks silly in Dad's outfit and beard. It's about that train. Well, what about it? There won't be any this Christmas. That's all right. I'll be getting something else. Mickey. Johnny kneels down to him. I'm afraid you won't be getting anything. Yes, I will. Loads and loads of baskets. Baskets? Yeah. You won't miss any. I can tell all the kids you gave me each one for Christmas. He goes back to decorating. Johnny stands and paces away. Later, a fancier small tree sits on the bar of the restaurant where Johnny enters. Looking around awkwardly, he crosses the room to Taft's table. Hi, Johnny. Sit down. Thanks. He sits. 
Sorry about dragging you out here tonight. Uh, don't give it another thought. What else are friends for? Well, I felt kind of funny about last time. Ah, forget it. I have. What's on your mind? Well, I'll put it to you straight. I, I need a job, just for the holidays. A little extra cash, huh? Yeah, I'm afraid so. I'd love to help you, Johnny, but frankly, most of those Christmas jobs are hardly worth your while. However, I do know how you could pick up a fast 500. 500? What's the catch? <laughs> there you go again. Always looking for a trap. There's nothing to fall into. Just relax, that's all. Relax? Huh? Relax. Take it easy at the right time. The right time during the basketball game. What's the angle? Angle. Must you put it that crudely? This is merely a business proposition. The kind made by bigger men than you or me. Well, maybe I'm not big enough. I think you will be. As I said, all you have to do is relax and uh, maybe miss a basket now and then. Looks like Pete had your number after all. Pete? Oh, Faraday. The man with the big talk about getting the athletes more money. You don't want talk, Johnny. You want action. Can you put glory in the bank? It's a very good line, but you got the wrong party, mister. I don't think so. Well, then you got another thing coming, because... Because I'm not throwing any game. He gets up. Sit down. He does. Stop jumping to conclusions. Nobody's asking you to throw a game. It's merely a matter of points. Keep the scores closer together. That way you're not letting anybody down. Becker still wins his ball game. And you're $500 to the good. Yeah, who's good? Yours? $500 can buy a lot of things. Well, I'm afraid I'll just have to do without them. He stands again. Suit yourself. Can I give you a lift home? No, thanks. I've got two legs all my own. Johnny walks away. He leaves the restaurant and returns to the apartment. He didn't know it then, but the hook was in. Bring down the points, Johnny, that's all. No one will ever know. You know the point system, don't you? Gamblers don't book bets on which team will win. One team is usually way ahead of the other, just as Johnny's was then. It's how many points they'll win by. So keep the points down, Johnny. That's all the fix there is. Keep them down. The team still wins. The bookie wins. And the betting public loses. Johnny paces to a framed photo of Pat. What's it going to be, Johnny? What's it going to be? He looks in a mirror. Later, near a sign that reads, Avoid the rush, mail your Christmas packages early. Johnny stamps packages being sent through the mail. Packages tower around him in a warehouse. It takes guts to stay honest, and Johnny was going to find out how much he had, especially when there was no time left for rest. Just one steady beat. Pound the stamp. Sink the basket, pound the stamp, sink the basket, pound the stamp, sink the basket. He wipes his brow. A man walks past him, points to the towers of packages, and tosses another package to him. Johnny stamps it, annoyed. Later, he steps into the apartment, then takes off his jacket as he walks past a door cracked open to the bathroom. Hi. 
He flops onto the bed as Mickey steps out with a toothbrush. Someone called you. Who? It cost you a nickel. Hmm. Struggling to sit up, he reaches into a pocket. Okay, here you are. He gives him a nickel. Robber. A girl named Pat. Ever hear of her? When'd she get in town? I don't know. She sure was anxious to see you. She even wanted to see you tonight. Holy smokes. Maybe I can borrow Jed's car. He finds only a 50-cent coin left in his pocket. Do you have a nickel for the telephone? Sure. But it'll cost you 50 cents. You are a robber. Yeah. Trading coins, he goes to the door. And put your slippers on. He leaves. Later, he walks Pat to Jed's convertible. She admires it. He opens the passenger door for her, but she gestures for him to go in first. So he does and slides behind the wheel, and she follows. She finds a driving cap and puts it on his head. Smirking, he takes it off and starts the car. Later, a small combo plays in an elegant nightclub where Johnny and Pat dance close among the other couples. They leave the dance floor and Johnny follows Pat through the club to a table. He holds a chair out for her to sit. Then he sits as a waiter arrives with the check. Johnny looks at it. Two coffees, 50 cents. Two fifty minimum charge per person, $5. Total, $5.50. As Johnny grimaces, Pat sneaks a look while checking herself in a small mirror. Johnny glances around. Pat notices Johnny pulling a bill from his wallet, leaving it empty. She gets a bill from her purse and slips it under the check. He looks at her sadly, but she smiles and kisses his cheek. He leaves his bill, and they stand. When he gets her coat, they walk away. Soon after, they stand outside a jewelry store display window. Got it picked? Mm-hmm. Let's see, let me guess. I bet you couldn't. I picked it out the day we met. Maybe you could start it off with 50 bucks down and... And a ball and chain the first of every month? Well, now I gotta tie it somehow. You don't see me running away, do you? Hmm. Aren't you afraid I might? If I can't hold you, neither can a ring. He kisses her, and they walk on. He's more somber as he parks where he'd picked her up. What's the rush, Johnny? Why are you always two steps ahead of tomorrow? He puts an arm around her. Call us rushing? No, I don't mean now. It's about us getting married. I just don't like putting things off. But you're not settled. You said to yourself. Yes, I know. I said a lot of things, but... When you're around, I... I can't stand the idea of letting you go again. Like right now. A few minutes, we'll be saying goodnight. Who knows what'll happen tomorrow. Maybe the break you've been waiting for. 
Another rave in the sports column. But Is that going to buy us a house? But in time, they'll help you break no, into the no, professional time, field. Time and time. Everything happens in time. Safer than taking shortcuts. What am I going to do? Strike oil with a basketball. There's no price tag on me, Johnny. I want you, nothing else. Why? Look at tonight. A borrowed car, a free glimpse at a ring, the prices on a menu holding me down. It was wonderful. Look, let's stop kidding ourselves. How can I promise any change? He withdraws his arm. I don't even know why you bother with me. I don't think you understand me at all. What's the matter? Thought you wanted me to be a realist. Johnny. Good night, Johnny. She gets out of the car and hurries away. Johnny starts the car. Everything seems to be stacking up against Johnny. Has he lost Pat? Will the pressure from Taft be too much for him? Find out in the conclusion of The Basketball Fix next time on Movies for the Blind. Johnny was right about not coming into a fortune in a possible pro career. Going ahead to the 1956-57 season, the average salary of a player in the NBA was $6,000. Now, granted, that was maybe 50% higher than the average salary of a regular person back then. But then also consider the average player's salary today is over $4 million. The stakes truly are high. For more information and links about the movies, about description, and how to subscribe, go to the blog, moviesfortheblind.com, where you can also find out about this podcast, Creative Commons License. And the movies are from the Internet Archive, so please support universal access to human knowledge by visiting and donating at archive.org. Thank you for downloading and for listening. Be back next week. Take care. Take care.